what a beautiful crowd we have tonight. Y'all should work in radio. How many of you are here for the very first time? Don't be shy. Wow, quite a few fresh faces. Don't worry, I've done this before. Just sit back, relax, and get smashed. We're not here to convert you. <laughs> We're gonna have a real good time. It will all make sense to you soon, I promise. Now let me introduce the girl. Chernobyl. Matthew Anderson. Macy Rodman. Peaches Christ. Robert Brady. Sissy Spastic. Alexis Blair Penny. I was born Alexander Blair Penny. Heclina. I am from San Francisco. Des Moines, Iowa. Michigan. And Lenexa, Kansas. Juneau, Alaska. Fly me to the moon. Let's start at the beginning, when Brittany was still skinny, and Cher, well, Cher. But beware, folks, these queens weren't always fabulous. Make them weep, girls. I just, you know, I've always been different, I've always been treated different, and I've kind of accepted that and, like, just rolled with it. Because um, growing up, it's like, I wasn't a particularly masculine child, and all those, I was was I particularly feminine, I was just there. And the, everything that was offered to me as a child, as like, this is what masculine is, it's like, well, that sort of doesn't work amazingly well for me, but you know, we'll, we'll work through this. I never identified with my age. I was always really uncomfortable as a young kid. Felt gross in my skin. I didn't want to be at the kids' table. I wanted to be at the adults' table having adult discussions. I had like very clear aspirations as a child as to what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a stripper, drug dealer, prostitute. I wanted like this alternative power that I perceived women as having, as being sort of underclass. Just like, but look at all the weird things that you get away with because of that, because people have low expectations of you. And also like that reverse power of using sex to like manipulate that was like always really attractive to me in what has now become a really gross way but at that the time it was very like mystifying a really important part of me accepting my sexuality I'm from Juneau which is the capital but it's only like 30,000 people it's like middle America but like in a really just like plopped in the middle of a place where no one should live. A lot of like really sad, disenfranchised people <laughs> um, who have moved there for like random reasons, like to do labor. Not a real community outside of like people who do drugs together. If people were big into sports, also really into like Oxycontin and heroin. Um, since there were not many people, it was just like a weird crossover of groups. I was kind of a loner. Like I would much rather just like hang out and watch like movies but I mean I went through a period where I was like uh, uh, you know breaking into houses and stealing people's prescriptions and stuff like that but cause like that's what you do when you have fucked up friends it's kinda like everyone is just gets used to not being able to relate to anybody <laughs> it's like I was just like socially retarded Actually, I'm like, I'm like, I like Shania Twain and Cher. Damaged at an early age. It happens to the best of us. I used to love watching Martha Stewart. 
<laughs> I can still love Martha Stewart. High school. I quit high school when I was a freshman. It was really hard. And that's pretty much how I got my name, was the inspired by the movie Carrie. Because she was obviously taunted, like I was as a kid, so I could really relate to her. But too bad I couldn't get back at the kids like she did <laughs> at her prom. I didn't even go to prom, so she went to prom. It's actually one of my looks. See that red bloody dress? That was, I wore that, and I had like a, a real bouquet of pink roses with pink ribbon. That fake blood all over me and my hair. <laughs> Virgin suicides indeed. Kirsten Dunst, can you clean this up, please? Aisle sweet 16. A lot of kids start out doing drag because it's a way of reconciling their otherness. Most kids that do drag are usually somewhat introverted and it gives them it gives them the leverage to sort of jump the fence and just let it all out. And when I was younger, that made sense to me. It's like, it's, I'm free, I've got this incredible armor and I'm mostly bulletproof unless you hit me in the... Ooh. There was this like underground theater group in Kansas City called Late Night Theater. So that was my first encounter with drag because they would do these drag floor shows in the middle of the parties. They're just doing like the most fucked up drag. Mermaid in a tank, like lip syncing to ABBA with like weird sailors around her. There's a drag number that I always say is like the reason I do drag and it's um, this drag queen, um, Dee Dee DeVille. It's like this super androgynous kind of Annie Lennox. And she had, she had a voice like this, and she, like, smoked a lot. I think it was the first time I did Mushrooms, actually. They did a David lynch theme party, and she was dressed like Laura Palmer in the river with, like, <laughs> plastic. She had, like, taken this plastic tarp and made it into a dress with, like, a big cowl, but she was nude underneath it, and she had styrofoam bubbles on her face, and her hair was slicked back, and she did um, Number One Crush by Garbage, and it, like completely opened my mind to everything and I was never the same afterwards. You never forget your first. Ain't that the truth? But nobody ever said it would be painless. My early drag is so terrible and so grungy. I had a little kid once ask me uh, where my balloons were and I had no understanding of what, what they were saying and Martini you know, was standing next to me, and Martini was just laughing and laughing, and the kid was saying, where are your balloons, where are your balloons, and Martini finally said, like, you know, the kid thinks you're a clown. <laughs> and so the first time I tried to do it, I just kind of freaked out, and, like, ended up making myself look really, like, like a rape tooker, which has <laughs> remained kind of an element of it. Macy is this, like, 14-year-old, adderalled out klepto-nympho, just like, you know, the parts of me that maybe don't come out all the time in real life, but are certainly present. <laughs> I had this roommate actually have to move out and she left a couple of bags of clothes, borrowed some of her like juicy hoodies and like she had this old pair of Uggs that I like cut open and taped around a pair of heels. It's definitely just like, you know, me like on, just on one. <laughs> Living in Ames, Iowa, I was heckled more um, in my day-to-day -day life dressed as a boy than I have ever been in drag. There was one time I was sitting outside of a Hobby Lobby, and I was wearing, like, hammer pants and a muscle shirt, and some guy drove by and yelled, it's illegal to cross-dress in the state of Iowa. But when I'm in drag, more people are like, 
either shocked or sort of in awe. The worst thing I've ever heard is someone yell like, what the fuck? Which I thought was sort of a compliment. What are you anyways, a he or a she? That's sort of just what I was going for. Click those ruby slippers, baby. We're headed west of the rainbow to San Francisco. If you're San Franciscan, you've got a wig in your wardrobe. Costume is part of culture here. I always feel like I'm home when I come back to San Francisco. Holly came from Miami, FLA. Hitchhiked away across USA. Plucked her eyebrows on the way, shaved her legs, and then he was a she. She says, hey, babe. But the rainbow on the wild dark side. side. Said, hey, babe. Take a walk on the wild side, and the colored girls go do 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 When I first moved to San Francisco, AIDS was in full effect. There was a constant feeling of numbness, and if you didn't see somebody for a while, you'd wonder where they were. Then you'd open up the Bay, the Bay Area Reporter and they'd be there in the obituary section. It was a very surreal time. You know, it was weird, like just watching television or movies or, or, or advertisements and looking at kind of like how normal life was supposed to be. And then you're living in this constant reality of people just dying all around you. So it just, it seemed very, very unreal. I worked just right next door here at the Tower Video and... You, you just see people all the time. You know, I worked doing the account. I was in the accounts section. And I was, I was, I was deleting people's accounts because they'd be like, "Oh, this person's deceased." You know, you'd send somebody a letter that had like a late video rental, and then it would come back like, "Oh, this person's dead." You know, it's really surreal. There's no rules to life. There's no rules to anything, and um, I think it translated into. Nothing also being sacred, you know, like a lot of people are like, well, okay, we can't make fun of race or religion or this or that. Everything has to be politically correct. But when life is so unreal, it's like you, you can make, you know, the only way to really look at really, really tragic things is to kind of hold them up and make fun of them, especially with AIDS or anything like that, you know. I think people were shocked that we were kind of started to make fun of it or kind of, to, you know, reference it in our pieces very early on. But just like, you know, I'm, I'm HIV positive. If I want to make an AIDS joke, you know, it's like nobody can tell me not to do that. <laughs> you got it. Exactly, yeah. I've seen so much change over the years in this neighborhood. A lot of the culture is being, you know, kind of washed away. The main reason that gay men go out back then and still is to get laid and now you don't have to do that you can just go on your your phone this is a different time it's funny because as as gay culture has become more accepted and more mainstream it's become simultaneously more boring and I kind of I really really am along for the time when it was when we were more outcasts and more you know unaccepted by mainstream culture it was, to me, it was more, more of an interesting time. You know?
I um, was still a virgin when I left Alaska. Um, so I was, like, you know, uncomfortable with my body and, like, so unaware of my sexuality also. But then, like, you know, your 20s happen and it's just, like, one shitstorm after another. <laughs> the idea of being able to, like, put these things on that's, like, very formulaic that can make you look either beautiful or just striking is really appealing. Like a lot of drag queens or gay guys that I know, I've always had like, you know, body issues and issues with the way that I look. It's really liberated me just like in my, in my everyday life. It's gotten rid of a lot of hang-ups. Really come into my own and it starts from accepting yourself, acceptance. If you don't accept yourself, then how are other people supposed to accept you? Just like, you know, if you can't love yourself on the hang, you're supposed to love somebody else. It's so true. I was doing drag before I'd ever dealt with my real internalized homophobia. Seven or eight years into it, I had to overcome my own self-hate. I realized that because of the way I used to talk about peaches, almost apologize for doing drag. Part of me felt shame around what I was doing. And I went through this process of uh, deciding that I was going to embrace the inner sissy, the part of me that was Peaches. And it sounds cheesy to say, but it kind of it changed everything for me. And part of that was embracing the fact that I'm a, a female male who can, who can have a beard but can wear a wig. And, and like I'd be lying if I said I didn't connect with women and females in a way that I do think is different from someone who's just only identified rigidly as a male. I would claim that I'm part trans, you know, in, in this way that's like very shocking to people when I say it, you know, because they're like, but wait, like if I'm on the street, no one would even know I'm a drag queen. Part of that, I think, is that acceptance, like me accepting that I am sissy, I am femme, I am peaches, I'm Joshua, I'm all these things. She's not just a performance. I used to think, oh, there's gay people, there's straight people, maybe there's bisexual people. My concepts were a bit vanilla. And then when I started doing drag, all of a sudden there were straight guys that would be hitting on me once I got all dressed up who would never look at me otherwise. Even a straight guy wants to be with a woman with a penis. And I had to realize that that still makes them straight. I, I, I quit so much labeling people. I don't go by anything. Because I, I, when I'm by myself, I don't think, I am a fantastic drag queen! I have some, like, really crazily presenting trans friends. One who, like, technically is they, but some, like, she's just like, I just call everybody she. No nonsense. Cut it out, stupid. I had literally had met maybe one trans person in Kansas. Suddenly you're in Oakland where it's like every other guy is a trans guy. And then suddenly I'm, like, getting mistaken for being transgender and living in this weird liminal phase where like nobody knew what gender I was I didn't know what gender I was and she just made the most sense and so I identified hard as she for maybe like two years I guess around the time that I actually started passing is when I sort of started to realize the actual diversity of how I could present and really play with people's ideas Gina called it an ultra ego where it's just like it's everything you are Amplify. It's like clowning. Your eyes are bigger. Your lips are bigger. Your cheekbones are wider. Your hair is huge. Your tits are, you know what I mean? It's like these supernatural features that are neither feminine or masculine and kind of make the distinction moot. You're just 
hyperhuman war paint. Like I felt like this weird alpha everything. It's almost safer to be in drag than it is to be out of drag. Seeing a man in booty shorts walking down the street is a little more bothersome to a straight man than some weird thing walking down the street with like a hairy chest and heels because they're just like, that's a little too much. I don't need to deal with that. Like they just want to beat up a regular gay man. <laughs> they just don't see the, as much of themselves in that. RuPaul said that like the greatest um, act of treason is femininity or portraying yourself as feminine. Outward expressions of femininity are, is just something that really makes people uncomfortable. Even in women, even if it's like a pure expression of your art and you're not trying to be confrontational, it just is when you're in, pu in a public space because by being so bold as to like display femininity in public you're giving a big fuck you bless you Gesundheit. to everybody i don't know from my point of view it's like and i can only ever have my point of view i'm in here and i look around and that's me it was about being beautiful and that's and that is my it's like if i'm going to go ahead and make a statement about what it is for me to be a drag queen it was never about being a woman it was always about being this object of beauty candy says i'd like to know completely what others so discreetly talk about i always say i want to be disgusting <laughs> who doesn't want to be pretty you know Between quarter of a million or half a million dollars was spent on this party, and all 300 guests were put into full drag. We're talking men, women, children. I'd say that there were a handful of queer people there. And as far as guests go, I don't know if there were any. I'm talking about queer people because they were like serving sandwiches or doing makeup or styling hair. Well, I mean, I kind of feel like a jerk even talking about it in this way. Part of me is glad for that party, and part of me felt dirty. Hated it. I was disgusted by it. And the woman whose birthday it was wouldn't even look me in the eye. How much do you really love drag queens? Because I'm right here and I'm sitting on a throne reading all your guests. Part of that I think is just damaged rich people. Here's all these children dressed in drag and husbands and everyone's laughing and kicking. Anyone looking at the party from the outside, they'd kind of go, oh, isn't that wild? Isn't that fun? But for me, I just was kind of offended by it. They were tossing wigs around like they were nothing, like these wigs that had been shipped literally in a truck. Gorgeously styled wigs that I know, looking at those wigs, 
300 of them on, on heads, I'm thinking about the thousands of hours of work that it went into these wigs because they are freaking amazing RuPaul, you know, quality, queens worked the shit out kind of wigs. Multiple wigs built together. And so these people are putting these giant Marie Antoinettes on, dancing, throwing them on a chair, trivializing this thing that I take so seriously and that I love so much. And I said to the party planner, rent these? Did you buy these? And they had bought all the wigs. I hate to think this, but I, I would guess that they're not going to be salvaged. You know, I would have pulled a truck. I would have rented a truck <laughs> and pulled it up in there and I would have had like a giant wig fair and doled them out to all the poor queens who couldn't afford gifts. You know, they'd appreciate it. I wonder if that is the attraction right now. In this acceptance, people are now seeing the truth. People are actually attracted to what was deemed freakish or taboo, or queer or gross, and, and their strength to turn it into something powerful and beautiful. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. It's too early to tell. People sometimes think it's like a minstrel show of femininity, and but... A menstrual show, in short. <laughs> a menstrual minstrel. <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> Starting in... At the end of the month. Already got my ticket, girl! Speaking of full moons, I think it's time we take it slow. Here, take my hand. And around the time I was I was performing in San Francisco, I really realized that like drag occupies this really crazy spiritual place within society, especially gay life. As like you are sort of like the mystic, you're the shaman, you're the storyteller. You, like becoming that other gender transforms you and allows you to tap into all these other realms. My drag mother would always say, you know, we're witches, we're moving energy around. This is like very powerful old magic. She was um, actually from. Mom. For me, that's what it really kind of became all about, is like sort of this powerful way to sort of enact my own reality on stage. And I read this article about these computers they have at Google called these quantum computers, and the transistors are actually on these super thin layers of liquid nitrogen. So because it's so cold, the signal or like the electrode or whatever can like move really slowly across. Rather than just being limited to being zero or one, like a normal computer chip, they can be zero and one simultaneously due to like the quantum theory of something being able to be both things before you look at it. And I was like, when I read that, I was like, that's what my gender is. It's like when you try to look at it, it squirms and you maybe can pin it down on one side or another, but it's actually both simultaneously. That means Zuckerberg. Identity is this really funny thing because it feels thrust upon you, but you really are thrusting it upon yourself. But at this point, I've finally made peace with just identifying as an artist. Because it was finally something like, oh, here I can make a living doing something where I'm not stuck in a cubicle, which I think would kill me more than HIV if I had to work a nine-to-five job. Drag is sort of this crazy, mystical undercurrent to my life. I'll never be able to leave that or would ever want to. It's just so transcendent of the duality of what forms the basis of our society, which is gender. Once you cross that line, you really can't go back. You can't pull the veil back over. Somebody said you got a new friend. Does 
It's very simple. Well, for me, it's very simple. Um, all great creativity comes from love. It really does. Everybody say love. Love! I can't hear you. You can't see me, but I can see you, honey. And this is no time for lips. Yeah, I know it's stupid I just gotta see